Hello, I'm John McFarlane, Head of Creator Engagement here at Raya, and welcome to episode three of the official Sea of Thieves podcast. It feels like it's been ages because... I suppose it kind of has been ages since the last one. There was a massive gap there. Um, but we have been busy getting a pirate's life into your hands. And now that we're getting settled back down, we feel like we should get chatting about it. But who have we got chatting today? Well, let's get through them. So we have Christina McGrath, Head of Community, Mike Chapman, Creative Director, Joni, Executive Producer, John McMurtry, Head of Video, and George Orton, Senior Designer. Recently been lifted up into Senior Designer role, George. Yeah, very exciting. Thanks. Like, I still can't believe I'm at Rare, let alone, like, got senior in front of my name about anything. So I how I fooled you all, um, I don't know. It's George, awesome. George has done such a good job working on a pirate's life and, and, and beforehand since he's come at Rare. So we thought we'd reward him with not only a promotion, but a chance to be on the podcast. So that's this the is big what deal, isn't it? This that's, is what it's all been building towards yeah. is, is, is this next 40 minutes. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, but congrats. And then just before we get started, just to let you know, if you are listening, um, then remember, you can choose whatever podcast app you want. We're on most reputable podcast apps. And if you are just listening, but you want to watch all these beautiful faces and these new faces with George and, and John on the podcast, then go and check us out on YouTube forward slash Sea of Thieves. Um, and remember, Christina will be slinging questions uh, from the community to our guests here. So if you do have questions for the next podcast, please use the hashtag SOP podcast on any of our social channels. Anyway, let's get started. And how is everyone? I feel like, Joe, you've been giving us updates on Twitter on your, your current COVID situation. How are you feeling? Um... Like moderately improved, uh, but yeah, if I have a coughing fit, I'll mute myself basically. Um, <laughs> but I don't think there's anything, any buttons that can help my brain work better. Um, so if I <laughs> if I just start staring off into space halfway through a sentence, someone else can complete it for me if you want. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, like, it's yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, it's slow but steady improvements, I think. But I'm, I'm definitely still resting a lot. But I feel I feel up to this, but. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I feel lucky that my symptoms haven't been as bad as, as some that I've read about. I watched the long COVID documentary recently, and that was um, eye-opening. But uh, but yeah, slow, slow and steady at the moment. I think. Oh, good. It's good to have you on here. And then, um, Mike, mm. I'm just going from everyone's Twitter feeds here. Uh, you were away <laughs> on holiday recently. Where did you go? I was. I went to the Cotswolds, which is about as far as you can go without getting on a plane. Well, that's not true, because <laughs> yeah. it's only an hour and a half away from there. But um, spiritually, it's about as far as you can go. Um, with the current situation no it was lovely it was really nice especially after working on a pirate's life and the team and I don't know it's good that people are booking holiday now and taking time out I mean it's a very intense process making anything of that scale um, so it was amazing to, to chill out last week it's my 10th wedding anniversary so just relaxing and yeah had a lovely have a lovely time with family congrats and uh, Christina what have you been up to? Oh, I've put nothing on Twitter. I'm just watching the Olympics because it's the only time in like four or even five years where it's like, yeah, bit of fencing in the morning, then bit of running or whatever, clay pigeon shooting, BMXing. I love it. I'll just watch anything. I'm very excited for the sports climbing though. They just run up the wall like little spiders. <laughs> you, have you been inspired to do anything, uh, you know, activity-wise yourself? <laughs> oh yeah, loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Started doing the long jump. Yeah. I haven't Impressive. <laughs> before you mentioned BMX riding there that could have been a quote from the pirate lord like wake up in the morning bit of fencing <laughs> bit of treasure hunting and George tell yes. us a bit tell us a bit about what you've been up to 
Same, watching a lot of the Olympics uh, this weekend for the first time in like many, many months. I managed to go home and see my, my family dog. So like, I'm still oh. buzzing off that, basically. It's been way too long. Took like hundreds of photos of of this little puppy that I've missed to pieces. So yeah, feeling loved up at the moment about dog, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Each to their own. And John? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right. Like, you know, can't, can't complain. Um, I have not really been doing anything of, of note. I Although I have just bought a new car. First electric car, an ID3. So there you go. Yeah, also, so I, John, spent, I, spent, I spent money. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that everything you do is of note to me. I oh, never do yourself a disservice. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's get into actual questions um, about about the game and stuff. I, I feel like obviously we've seen like a, a ton. Of, hopefully, folks who are out there have seen a ton of like podcasts and stuff. Especially Joe and Mike, you've both been on chatting about a pirate's life, but. I feel like this is an opportunity to get a bit more behind the scenes um, than we've previously been talking. And everyone was surprised when it first came out, and which was the idea. But how hard was it? Like, Joan, you can answer this. How hard was it to keep a secret? Pretty pretty difficult, I think. I think everyone kind of um, can, <laughs> from in, inside the team can appreciate that. But yeah, we, we especially as we've been very open um, previously right with kind of things that we're working on we put mm -hmm. stuff into insiders we let people know early we get testing we get feedback on on the majority of our stuff and and this we really wanted it to be that sort of surprise and delight moment right where we would blow people away not only with the reveal of the the kind of collaboration but also then the short um amount of time leading up to the actual release uh, straight after it and so we had to change everything that we did right so we have our internal team reports that we send uh, out across the team we made sure that that didn't have any of the kind of um, images of, of stuff that people were working on which again was difficult because that's part of our how we keep people informed and excited about what's going on uh, across the team we changed the build process of how stuff was kind of categorized and where it went what went into the build that went out to, to insiders and what didn't we codenamed everything we had a much smaller amount of people across the entire xbox organization that were that were part of it too um it was just yeah, we, we just wanted to kind of reduce the chance, but really of of, of things leaking and 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 the, the problem is when you've got working on something as exciting as this, as soon as you tell someone, the kind of natural thing is you want to tell someone else right about this. Like you're like, oh, I just want to share that. I want to tell someone this is a cool thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was a, it was an interesting one, and um, it leads to one of the things that really frustrates me about the the games kind of space and games industry is kind of leaking, right? Like it's something that when you're working on something that you really want to keep secret and you really want to surprise and delight people and then leaks kind of come left, right and center across the board. We've seen loads of other titles kind of leak mm. trailers, leak things and, and stuff. And um, as a team, that moment when that happens, right, is so, so frustrating and so, so kind of just disheartening to the, to the whole team because mm. you want to get to that moment where your work is revealed in the way that you, you want it to be revealed and you want to just blow people away and to have it kind of come out as just a, a a rumor or a kind of a leak or a half finished asset or something like those things are so annoying and so the amount of work we had to put into keeping it secret purely because of that kind of environment is super i don't know frustrating to me but um mm -hmm. so i don't know other people's views on that but it really is kind of a bugbear of, of mine um and yeah, i feel really bad when teams kind of get stuff leaked like stories or trailers or, or anything else i don't really see what the benefit of it is so yeah. Taking to the Grinch, climbing down your chimney and opening your Christmas presents, or just stealing them, just wrecking them—is that? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Sorry to. 
put you off there, John. But I think for us as well, I think the thing, it, it's so tense for us when we're trying to keep it secret as well, especially on the development team, working on anything of, of this scale. And, you know, we've done kind of big releases before on CFEs, but, but having the context around why we're doing it and the way we're doing it is so critical to understanding it. And I think the reason why it's so important to us, um, and I'm sure, George, you've got similar thoughts as well, is you truly do just want to blow people away. You want to give them something that they've never seen before and would never expect. And and I think the last time we did that was probably the anniversary release and we're doing these things called Tall Tales for the first time and, and like just trying to completely um, like change the kind of conception of, of what Sea of Thieves can be as an experience. And this was just such on a huge scale. Like we felt that pressure to maintain the code words and make sure we were keeping up to those standards to keep it secret because... It is like once one person knows outside of that group of people, it would just spread like wildfire. And we just wanted to have that shock and awe moment when we announced it for the first time. So mm. I don't know what your perspective is like on that, George, what it was like working on working on the tales day to day. Yeah, like I totally agree with, with what you both said. Like it's obviously you're aiming for this huge moment and you want your work to be revealed like in, in the most kind of complete way that, that it possibly can be it's also like really important from like a team motivational point of view like obviously a release like like um a pirate's life takes so much work and effort and love from from all the teams that are involved in it and you're all gunning for that one date where you get to celebrate it together you don't want that to to leak because you don't want people to find out about it too soon and the message to be wrong but like you also don't want it to leak because the morale of the team is so high when you're working on something like that and you're getting so much done and like every day the the build gets better or you see something new that like blows you away or makes you laugh or smile in a way that you've not seen before and but you've always got this nagging thought in the back of your head like that if this leaks it's going to be a real bummer and there's going to be a load of people who like deflated by it um mm. so i mean super super proud of the team for a shipping a pirate's life and b shipping it in the exact way we want it um, yeah i think i think that's the thing that kind of blew me because <clears throat> that project was so exciting you know it's like it's so hard to keep a thing like that inside you want to just go like by the way and then tell them everything <laughs> like um so yeah it's kind of incredible that we actually pulled it off like yeah, it is the amount of people yeah. that are that touch the project along the way as well like everyone managed to keep it quiet i think as well for the majority like of of players out there as well they want that they yeah, don't yeah. want a half-assed yeah. trailer coming out or mm. like a like a word document a notepad document with all the the tales it was an exciting word, uh, word document though no, it was a <laughs> word document. but like yeah like they don't want any of that so i don't think it really works for anyone other than the person that's really leaking it like yeah. which is the, the most frustrating part yeah, and they win internet points, which yeah. are like not yeah. you can't cash them in anywhere. I don't think, but um, <laughs> I think that's literally all you get is internet points. But um, uh, but you know, it, and even just the kind of the approach that we had of the trailer itself and how that was carefully crafted to kind of tease you into the reveal in mm. like forty seconds or something, right? And and for different people of different levels of knowledge of Disney or parts of the Caribbean, or like they'll kind of guess it at different times, or they'll only get it when Jack Sparrow's revealed and, and stuff. And mm. so even just the crafting of the trailer, but then also 
the stuff that we wanted to reveal like more and more detail of like during the kind of 10 days the 10 days of awesome as we styled it yeah. internally to, to kind of to that launch moment like the, the whole way we wanted to kind of build up to that release was all completely kind of contingent on it being a secret right and so mm-hmm. if something had kind of leaked depending on what it was like we would have had to have maybe change or just to kind mm. of you know throw those plans out the window or something and so yeah it was a high risk kind of approach in one way that, that because of what we you know it was all kind of contingent on it being a secret but also i think we had pr- pretty high confidence that the team like it wasn't going to leak this right they understood it we, why we were doing it and, and everything and but it's as you bring more and more people in to kind of go do you know localized trailers or kind of go do different plans across kind of different parts of the org or even outside of that external teams and things it's just the more people that know the more chance that kind of mm-hmm. um one yeah. person who shouldn't know finds out and then they decide to go tell someone and yeah but but yeah we we we, we, we did it and um and it, and it paid off i think brilliantly so um, yeah it was a great moment i think i think like george you're absolutely spot on with the, the point about team morale i think when even like kind of looping it back to the trailer, even before we started planning out what the trailer would be, you start to fantasize and daydream about what that reveal would be like, because it's all about having an impact on people. And I think when we're like crafting moments in the tales, like as, as designers on the design team, all we're ever thinking is what are people going to think when they get to this moment? Is it going to have the impact? Is it, are are they going to feel emotions where we want them to feel the right emotions? Are they going to experience all these little details that we're putting into there? And I think, coming out the gates with something i mean ambitious not in the sense of not just in the sense of the mechanics and, and the kind of scope of the content but ambitious in terms of how do you bring these two worlds together in a way that it's not just doing it for for the sake of being fans of disney or the fact that they're two pirate properties that broadly align how do you do it in a way that celebrates our world that you come out of at the end um, and the Sea of Thieves is a richer place because of it. And that that's the ambitious side of it. That's the difficult thing. And that goes to the point of, you know, having it, having it announced with the right context so people understand how authentic we're trying to be and we're handling it with care. And mm. we're telling this story because we truly believe in the story that we're telling and how it, how it brings something fresh to the Sea of Thieves world. Um, but George talking about morale is absolutely spot on. And I think there's so many... Like the talented team that we have, I mean, it was kind of like a, an unspoken thing, but people did say in terms of, for many of us, it's, it, it sounds corny, but it is like the chance of a lifetime. A lot of people have grown up with Disney properties and Disney worlds and Disney characters, and it's impossible not to work on a pirate game like Sea of Thieves <laughs> and not talk about Pirates of the Caribbean or have fans of, of, of that kind of thing, and especially the Disney side of it on the team. So for... Well, no matter which discipline you're working in, it was a huge monumental thing for so many of us. And I think the reason why the end result is the end result is because so many of our team took it to heart in terms of what we were trying to build and why it was special. And I can't tell you how much of a relief the past, well, the announce and then the past month has been. That has been, that's the ultimate reward. Because like the whole team is just thinking about, is this, is this going to land the way we want it to land? And then having it released and not have that pressure about it leaking and just seeing people play through the tales and those smaller moments that you think would touch very few people, like it's having that impact that you want. Mm-hmm. That is, like, how many times have you watched playthroughs of Tale 3, George? But you've... I can't stop. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> in... <laughs> 
In the first week, I used to skip the first five minutes when they were all leaving their ships at the start of the swamp and rowing through the whole thing. But now we've fixed that. I can go back and, <laughs> and go back and watch the whole thing. But no, like you're absolutely right. Like seeing it all all come together is the reward for yeah. the team. And I don't understand a mentality that would want to to take that away from the teams that build it um, or anything like that. I'm super proud that we made it. And it's really nice to be able to like like Pirates of the Caribbean gifts on Twitter again without <laughs> fear of like. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. What, I remember that first what, chat, what was though, the reveal? Oh, sorry, my, yeah. I was saying just remember that first chat that me and George had. I think it was 24 hours after release where we'd watch those videos and people were leaving the ship at the start of Tal Three and they were using it in a way we didn't intend to. And like again, I know tried to tried to remind you don't let that. Don't let that kind of cloud your perception of how amazing it is. And and the whole secrecy point of it is it is a break from our usual process, right? In terms of having going to our insider community, getting them to test these features early. But it is like we're all only human. We know that if like if, if there's a risk that it is going to leave, even with insiders, because it, it's such a huge monumental thing and it's it's something you want to shout from the rooftops like like we've wanted to shout from the rooftops. So I think that's been particularly challenging. I'm sure everyone's got a perspective on that in terms of trying to keep it secret, but trying to preempt how new players or existing players are going to experience that content and how do we get the test coverage on it. And all, I mean, that that has been particularly challenging. But again, the kind of the delight of announcing this thing out of nowhere and it having that hopefully that massive impact on people and it creating those memories with people I think it's all been worthwhile but you know definitely a shout out to our insiders in terms of it's it's not a usual process we know we've broken with our usual process and we we did weigh that up I think we and when we started talking about that Joe but that was going back I mean before we started building the tales was like how do we build the tales how do we build this content how do we build the experience in a way that we get the quality that we want um but we maintain the shroud of secrecy so it's been very challenging you it was great as well to see the way you guys managed it in terms of putting what you could into insiders as well stuff like sirens etc yeah um without managing to (laughs) spoil anything yeah the teases the the kind of teases as well on social and um uh kind of in the game and stuff with all of the runes and stuff was was Mm. really cool right because it was leading up to this but also kind of a bit of a misdirection as well because it was around the stuff like you say that was going into insiders and things i loved that i loved seeing that play out because like when you look back over it you can see it was building up to kind of a big part of this but also kind of yeah leading people a little bit away from it at the same time right (laughs) yeah yeah that that's that stuff is that stuff is a joy. I know, Christina, you, you've obviously worked on that quite a lot on the, the, the plan we all put together, but, um, you know, Duke's story and teasing things with Duke and mm. the Silver Blade, why are they talking about the Silver Blade and kind of knowing they're never going to guess what, where, how the <laughs> Silver Blade is going to feature because it's, you know, it's going to be hanging inside a cave somewhere. It's like just, yeah. just completely audacious plans. Yeah. But, you, you had yeah. a rune in the last podcast, didn't you, on your watch or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah so was, if it looked glorious. like I was just really bored and checking the time really obviously, I wasn't. <laughs> 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 I was loving it. But um, just to touch on something you said earlier, John, and also Mike, in terms of making a huge impact, we fundamentally, and I'm going to talk about it from kind of a numbers perspective, we monitor how people speak about the game and how at what volumes. And, and really, when we announced at E3, 
we did, you know, I'm looking at a chart right now. We were we were right up there with with Halo Infinite. We were right up there with Forza Horizon 5 in terms of the amount of conversation we generated. And, you know, on paper, we knew we had something special. But actually, for someone who might not know as much about Sea of Thieves, they're like, this is DLC for a three and a bit year old game. To be, you know, up there and really singing from the rooftops about the development and the evolution of the IP and joining forces with the other massive pirate IP in the world. It was a really special moment. I think we did... Well, tough calls made all the right calls because you look at how it exploded, certainly from a social and community perspective. People have never spoken to us as much. It's been very stressful, <laughs> um, but also in, in wonderful ways because we we surprised them. Um, and as you said, John, we were kind of slipping them different. If, if it was a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, we probably gave them about six pieces and went, there's a bigger picture here. Um, and to be able to go fill that in, especially with the, the cinematic trailer, which was absolutely phenomenal, um, was just a, the icing on the cake. And you could see everyone buzz just from the second it dropped. And, you know, like mm. I say, we've got big old graphs that sort of massive spike where people are like, oh my God. And even the Duke stuff as well, Mike, we've seen, um, I think it's Logan who's react to it because he was like, I've called it, I called it. <laughs> and because we've been teeing this up since February, March with, yeah. with his sneaking runes in. Um, it was just a payoff on so many different layers, levels, type pockets of the community. It was a very, very special moment. Yeah. Okay. Talking of the moment, yeah. that'd be a good thing to jump into you, John. Mm. Like for the trailer, like what, mm. overall, what does it take to, to pull a trailer like that together? When does it start? Like, when do you start thinking about it? Like, I know you like, I remember being in the early conversations with you and Mike, like, but when yeah. does that start and, and what's the evolution of that? I mean, like for something like that, you know, you do start it very early on. Like, I think our first sort of chat, Mike, um, was we probably started talking about it in, and again, that whole point of we uh, this this was going to be the trailer. Like, yeah. it, had, it had the opportunity to be the best trailer we've ever done, and I think mm -hmm. we took that to heart. I know we we spoke about it in August mm -hmm. last year, but it was it was always in the context of we've got to start early. Mm -hmm. This is the one. We've got to start early. We don't want to rush it. We've got to do this right. Yeah. I think we and the first meeting we had was face to face, and that's the one that you were in, John. That was that was in the studio. I think it was September. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess the thing is, like, the second I heard about this is what we were planning to do when you told me about it, Mike, it's like you go, like, all right, okay, well, we're going to have to make a kick-ass trailer for this, like, because there's no other thing you can do other than that. Like, it needs the biggest support we can possibly give it, like, because it's huge. But yeah, trailers like that are interesting. Um, so we work um, with uh, our partners at real time uh, to do these sort of bigger cinematic trailers. Um and it goes through a lot of revisions, a lot of iterations, um, trying to nail down structure and stuff like that. Um, but at its core, like one of the things um, that I really wanted to do was that, like I said, this needs to feel like a Pirates of the Caribbean trailer. Like I want you to come out of this feeling as hyped for this as you would if it was the next Pirates movie. And so that was the 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 temple. That was the style of what we were going for. Um, and then, yeah, like you get a lot of sort of work on, like, like you mentioned, Mike, you know, that moment of the reveal, like teasing it out, you know, and oh, sorry, it was you, Joe, in the first 40 seconds, oh. like figuring out how to do that, because it is, it's like, you can't, you can't spend forever. You don't have an unlimited amount of time, certainly not when you're um, in E3 as well. Um, but 
yeah how to do that effectively while still and then like you say dropping those little moments along the way it's like there's plenty of moments before we reveal jack sparrow that you can go like wait a second this is pirates of the caribbean um you've just got to be a, a big a bigger fan i guess um and yeah it's 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 tricky but real time make it very easy as well because they're great um and there's a lot of work that goes in by a lot of people, whether that's people in like in our team and the video team or whether it's in audio or it's like it's the whole studio. It's like art, animation, everything. Everyone's involved. Yeah. But it's exciting. That's the thing. Like doing this is not a chore because you're working on, like, say, something that is like a Pirates of the Caribbean trailer. I remember the first time. We were... so, like, so in those early stages when you, you were working on kind of getting together the idea for the trailer itself. And I kept yeah. asking, like, when are you going to take us through this? I need to know roughly what the story is. I need to know what it's going to cost, um, <laughs> like all of the boring stuff. But and um, it kept getting pushed back, the kind of, because you kept having meetings, kept having discussions. Mm. And then mm. when you did uh, take us kind of through a sort of slightly wider group, like myself and, and Simon and, and stuff, um, it, you had the uh, the kind of storyboard video, right? Yeah. Which was, yeah. that was the first time I kind of saw this, where you'd put John John's, John McMurtry's amazing voiceover acting <laughs> Uh, impressions of, of yeah. Jack Sparrow and um, which fooled uh, some people. Like, hey, <laughs> Someone you know, did ask. Yeah, that's like, the real voice actors is like, no, no, no. It's like, <laughs> it's like yes, and yeah, I'll be yeah, yeah. Right, fill out this check. To, um, but but I remember even just watching it at that stage, right, which was literally just kind of like sketched images but with your placeholder voice uh, mm. and some music in the kind of background again, placeholder music. Um, but just seeing it at that stage, it was probably the trailer that's probably had the least revisions for me in terms of like from that yeah. initial vision, right? It was like, hey, this is really good, right? If you look at that storyboard version, yeah, it's it's structure-wise, especially, yeah. it's it's pretty bang on to what eventually went out. Yeah. Um, You've got a lot of content to play with there. Yeah, that's the, the big thing. Yeah. Like, that was the thing, that, that meeting we, we had at Rare, that first meeting, that was just post-its on the wall in terms mm. of... I mean, there's some, some things I think were... In airheads, John, at least immovable. In terms, of, we had to have the play on the castle shot at the start. Mm, I think mm. that was that was something that was in the different image, um, but an image that was in the original pitch. That was a you know a fantastic way to get everybody on board with the magnitude of what we were doing. So, mm. being playful with it and being playful with the reveal and introducing Jack in the right way had to be the gag from the, yeah. from the attraction with the bone and what they did in the movie. So, I think. There's some things that were dead certs for us, but I think we had scenes based on content. Remember, putting the post-it boards mm -hmm. up on the wall, and I think you're right in the sense that we were giddy doing it. And I think a lot of the iteration <laughs> was really like, "What do you pick?" Because mm -hmm. there was just too much. And well, I think, I think the risk was the trial was going to be too too big because yeah. we just wanted to show too much stuff off. We had so much to play with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's already like, a, well, I guess a relatively long trailer in a sense. It's like, I think it's two minutes 50 or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you're right. Squeezing everything that we would have wanted in. Like, and you sometimes think, you know, along the way you're going like, oh, I wish I could make more of a moment or whatever that. You need. And so you're trying to figure out how to keep the impact of that moment, but just go, right, get it shorter, get it shorter, get it shorter. So you can put as much in as you possibly can. Because that was the other thing that there's no point in everyone in the, in the studio creating all of this amazing and stuff and I just go tease and don't show you a black screen with some text or whatever it's like no you need to show it off so that's why there's you know it's a huge amount of variety in locations um, in terms of the actions that you're seeing you know we show stuff we show the weapons the new weapons like the, yeah. the trident and stuff like that everything's in there we really don't we don't hold back too much to be honest we try to put in as much in as we possibly could 
when you're talking about that as well and, and talking about the variety of stuff that's in there, what are some of the challenges then that you come up against from a logistical standpoint? So obviously things change um, like as as they are, like as they will do, like, you know, because you're starting this literally almost a year before it's out. Um, and so you're just trying to keep up with the, the small changes that might happen along the way. Um, but aside from that, it's like, you know, you're waiting on things like, you know, environments being ready. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. your, some, your initial versions of the trailer might be it's all in white box or whatever, or it's all for a long time. It's just, you know, block out animations of a character kind of stood in place uh, with the VO plane. So you have to use you have to be able to use your imagination quite a bit um, when you're looking at these work in progress um, versions of the trailer. And it really does comes together not last minute but it does you see all the push all the polish in that last maybe couple of months um yeah. and that can worry some people but we've done enough trailers to know that that's just the way that it that it is like that's yeah. the main angst on the team isn't it is the oh uh, is the work and all the effort going to be showing off in the best light and mm. it is there's moments where the trailer will just jump as environments mm -hmm. get finished, but in terms of that final level of polish, yeah. you're in, you're well into the last month yeah. before all that comes together. And you know more than anyone, John, you've gone through so many processes like this with trailers that you you know it's all going to work out at the end, <laughs> but the kind of angst from the team is, oh, is that framing right? Oh, that mm -hmm. lighting's not final. But mm -hmm. it just, you know it's all going to click in that last couple of weeks, it all clicks, and then it just feels like this massive level up where... Yeah, it's the final music. It's the final audio mix. It's the final VO. Mm. Uh, everything's trimmed and timed beautifully, and the visuals are there. And then it's just you can enjoy it. And, and I think I was going to say quickly as well, just going back to what it's like on the team. A lot of the big trailers that we've done have been invaluable on the team, especially in those final couple of months where everyone's working mm. so hard to finish it off. It's a huge confidence boost. Because not everyone gets to see all these various versions of the trailers. Mm. They just see something more finished. So that moment of showing off the trailer to the team in the all hands, like it is, everyone already massively believes in what we're trying to do with the Pirates Life, but to see it in cinematic form <laughs> and know this is what players are going to see in a couple of weeks, it it definitely spurs you on in those last moments. Is mm -hmm. yeah, mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, it was kind of mid-May, wasn't it? We showed the work in progress one to the whole team, I think. I remember, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was a, that was an awesome all hands right because we had that i think we had the gameplay trailer the work in progress gameplay yeah. trailer as well yeah. um yeah and, and talking through what the that plan for those 10 days was and, and everything like that was mm. that was super cool like that was used, a great all hands there used to be this moment on george will remember this because george was in these meetings towards the end of a short shores of gold which was another big trailer that we did with partners at real time mm. and that was a that was that was it we have there's nine tales we were doing tall tales for the first time <laughs> george how many tales did you build george uh four of them in the end yeah it's quite yeah <laughs> quite a lot um and again i've forgotten it's been that long but that was one of those days where you go oh yeah we're this we've got a lot of work to do this week it's like let's deploy the latest trailer and we'd all go <laughs> into the room together and we'd turn the lights down and we'd all just go this is what this is what it will feel like because you get so close to things and stepping back and appreciating how players will perceive it. The trailer is mm. the great way to force what it's going to feel like. And mm. that was that was awesome. And the trailer would get better each week. Yeah, everyone leaves the room punching the air. And let's do this. That's awesome. And it's funny as well, isn't it? Being part of the kind of E3 process, you always get a deadline that's a bit sooner than what you want to deliver it <laughs> yeah. for because you have to, you know, they'll get like, 
20 odd trailers from all these different teams they have to get them they have to quality check them they have to make sure they're good for all of the different channels and stuff but i don't think we've ever delivered on the date that has been requested of we've always been like can we get an extra five or six days and i think because we always do end up delivering it to the right spec and the right quality yeah. and there's never any issues that kind of <laughs> we, we tend to get that extra time like almost like as a matter of course now but um, yeah uh, but yeah, I think I'd, we were supposed I'd, to yeah. deliver on like the twenty eighth, and we delivered on like the sixth or something, right? Something yeah, like that, I'd so. be I'd be very surprised if we ever deliver one exactly when they want it. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that kind of. <laughs> but it's always it's always high quality, and it always meets all the requirements. So, mm-hmm. so talking about like going back to George then and and building those tutorials, and you'd, you'd said you'd done like four from the previous, but there was quite a lot of new. Uh, gameplay and, and tech stuff that went into these tall tales like what were some of the the challenges from like a technical perspective as well as like gameplay design and how those merged george yeah i mean there's a ton of new stuff in there there's a ton of old stuff that we've since learned a much better way of using so it feels brand new but behind the scenes it's quite old i guess the the big obvious technical challenge that, that we had to embrace pretty early on was um kind of moving players to these new worlds, whether it be the like under the sea areas um, or the, the sea of the damned and kind of how we cope with that on a technical level. Um, so the, the one thing that the team went after really early was, was the server migration that goes on when you're moving through the tunnels of the damned to the sea of the damned. Um, luckily that was one of the things we, we managed to put a little fake version of in insiders. And I'll speak for Stephen Frost here, who was kind of the lead engineer on that stuff. Um, but a, I've never seen him so nervous in the lead up to shipping a feature. Uh, it takes a lot to, to get him nervous though, right? It takes a lot to get Steve nervous. And like, this is a huge feature. Um, and he was very aware that the first tall tale of a pirate's life would be locked behind this server migration. And if that falls over, and obviously like historically with game dev, and I know Sea of Thieves, there's the, the whiteboard shot that, that Joe was a beautiful <laughs> part of. Um, <laughs> historically, like with multiplayer games, getting servers allocated for the numbers of players that you have coming in um, can be tricky in the early moments of any release. And obviously we were expecting Pirate's Life to be a huge release with loads of new players and returning players. And Steve was and Steve and the team were very aware that the first tale was locked behind everyone requesting essentially a new server. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew we had to kind of nail that flow. So getting it to insiders was, was invaluable there. Like I know we've, we've been over the insider stuff before. It's a shame we couldn't test more because they're, their input is incredible and it's great to to work with them. Um, but we managed to get this one there. And then uh, seeing Steve's face when he checked his spreadsheets that he'd set up to track the numbers coming through. And he was like, oh, yeah, like if we get, I think it, I think the first test was if we get 80 or 85% of people to successfully do it in the first insiders, like that's a great stepping stone. And, and we can build off that. And the first insiders was something like 93%. I'm going to get these numbers wrong. So <laughs> Steve will tweet out the real numbers and everyone should go follow <laughs> at Stephen Frost. But um, the first one was like low to mid 90s and just his face was like beaming. And then from then we just knew that like by by the end of dev, it's up to like 99.99 something percent of folk get through these tunnels. Um, but that was... 
a technical challenge that's way beyond the remit of a designer to understand. Um, <laughs> like that was that was all on the engineers, but that was that was a big one, and like super proud of the way the team challenged themselves. We had some new engineers on the team who who took to that challenge with Steve and, yeah. and stuff. It was it was brilliant to see that be so yeah. successful. It was really cool seeing insiders speculate as to what it was going to be for, yeah. right, as well. Like, that was yeah. a lot of the fun. Right? I will say that was very stressful, though, because obviously we've got the inter- <laughs> internal terminology, Tunnels of the Damned. I was like, yeah. we call them that. We People are going to go nuts. Yeah. So I remember going through every post draft and being like, change it to portals, change it to portals, and like just <laughs> yeah. removing anything that might have alluded to what they would be used for. So it was like, this is just a boring old tech test. Don't mind us. You'd be helping us out with some admin here. Um, <laughs> but obviously they don't miss a beat and they did like you say start speculating you know some weren't far off somewhere um but, you know it was it was a definitely kind of a, an interesting communication challenge as well because obviously like i've said before we've given them some pieces of the puzzle this is quite a significant piece certainly for tales one and three um but again it was quite fun to see them speculate because i think mm. certainly there was an undercurrent of something big's happening um with all the different things that we we're pulling in um but i still think we surpassed their expectations of what we ended up delivering yeah, we, we didn't actually plan to get the ocean crawlers in there as well, but we we, we missed getting them in there quite early. Um, but the, the plan was to test all three of the AI threats as early as possible as well. But that was another thing of, so, yeah, Sorens are great, but where they come from, why are they phantoms and islands, where do they all come from? Like, just, yeah, that, that's a little bit uncomfortable sitting there going, oh, God, you're going to know, just wait one month and you're going to know all about it. But I think... Um, when it comes to like tunnels of the damned and uh, and then i think it's important to kind of stress that and it, it seems kind of counterintuitive to how you'd expect the design process to always work but i actually think some of the best things will do and some of the best designs will come off the back of a technical limitation mm. and i think early on we we knew that you know the concept of the tunnels of the damned this kind of world between worlds where you're transitioning um to this other world we knew that would be a wait we knew it was going to take you know x amount of time you know two minutes and more to kind of swim to the bottom of the ocean because we wanted that to be seamless um and, and again you just that then unlocks all of that thinking around well this is not a bad thing this is a brilliant thing you've got the player's complete undivided attention which is the greatest privilege you can have as a designer and then very much similar to to, to Walt Disney World itself, you know, you turn the queuing experience, you turn that into a creative opportunity and the, and the tunnels of the Dan making an experience where you're traveling to the world of the dead and you're seeing all of these visions and you're swimming down to the bottom of the ocean, you're, he- you're hearing the singing of the Siren Queen. I actually think the technical limitations, huge investment for us, but I actually think it's led to some of the, some, some great moments on the tales. And you often find that um, like working on a game like Sea of Thieves that, like how do you how do you turn the negative into a positive? Um, mm. It's always a good way to to bring something new. So just touching on Disney because you said Disney and stuff like that. How much research went into the game? Mike is probably a good one to start with. This. Um, Twenty five think... years, isn't it? Mike? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm probably more probably thirty eight now, so thirty six years probably. Um, what was true right from the start was. The idea of working with Disney, of course, it's it's incredible. So many of us are fans. Pirates of the Caribbean is a natural fit for Pirates of the Caribbean. Like thematically, nautical folklore, Kraken, these monstrous foes brought to life. It's everything's this fantastical pirate world. It aligns there. Um, but I think 
that's the kind of obvious way it fits. But I think that the reason why I think the story that we've told works, and I hope our, our players agree with us, is that the, the kind of morality of the Sea of Thieves world and morality of the Pirates of the Caribbean world really align. And I think the thing that we took to heart was if this is going to, we're going to add this to the game and we're, we're not planning to take it away. We want it to stay in the game. It has to feel truly at home in the game. So I think the the mantle of responsibility was really on how do you do it in a way that feels complementary to our world? And it doesn't feel like it's this kind of foreign concept invading the world that we've poured, you know, love into building out with the Pirate Lord and all these beloved characters that we've, you know, we've tried to, to flesh out and give them compelling backstories because it enhances our world. So it had to be something complementary. And I think the idea of giving characters from the Pirates of the Caribbean world this, this, you know, this narrative device of Jack's treasure to cross into our world and telling this broader story of how is the pirate's life different in the Pirates of the Caribbean world and how is it different in the Sea of Thieves? I think that that was the thing that unlocked the whole story. And then the things that you'd expect to be hard weren't as hard because if, you know, I've, People are going to roll your eyes. Everyone on this call is going to roll their eyes. They've heard me say it so many times. But it all goes back to that quote from the from the from Curse of the Black Pearl when Jack talks about what freedom means to him. When, what, a, what a ship means, you know, what a, what a ship really is. It's more than just its hull and its you know its keel and all of that. It's about the freedom to have your adventures. That's what a ship promises you. Sea of Thieves fundamentally, the law we've already established was that the Sea of Thieves is special, and pirates and adventurers want to be there is because the Golden Age of piracy can live forever because no one ever really dies in the Sea of Thieves. So the idea that Jack and his crew would want to be in the Sea of Thieves because the thing they think is most important, the freedom of the pirate's life, he's on a pedestal in the Sea of Thieves. He could live forever. It struck that right balance between how the Sea of Thieves world relates to the world of Disney and Pirates of the Caribbean because it makes the Sea of Thieves a fundamentally special place. And it reaffirms everything that our characters have said in all of the tall tales and, ev and everything around how we position the world. So I think... That was the kind of what if scenario, you know, the, you know, what if Davy Jones discovered the Sea of Thieves world, how would that change the pirate's life? And what if Jack was in the middle of this conflict between the ferryman who represents life and death in the Sea of Thieves and the version of that in Pirates of the Caribbean is Davy Jones. So that was the only kind of bit where, beyond just doing all the work, that was the only bit in terms of what's the, what's the right story to tell. Mm. Uh, and then a pirate's life, you could, we could go back to the attraction, the deeper meaning of the attraction and represent that more timeless quality in the game. So, yeah, once once, once we had that, um, I think kind of the beats of the story was 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 really a fun process to, to plan out. So, yeah, a lot of, I mean, research-wise, I'm kind of obsessed, as you can tell. So, so that wasn't too hard. But I think it was just, if we're going to do this, it's got to be the right story. It's got to be the right story for whether you're a fan of Sea of Thieves or not, whether you're a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean, it has to hang together. And if you scratch the surface, the the meaning of the story is true to, to our world. That was the main thing. George, like you might have some insights into this as, as well, but like I know certainly having played through the, the, the tales with um, Andy and Shelley and they were all pointing out things to us as, as we went through, that there's definitely some points in there where it was a blink and you miss it or a don't stand at the right angle and you miss it sort of thing. Like how, how much research went into those little bits? Like of you finding things out and going like, oh, if we lined up all these stalactites like this, it's going to create this shape. And this is the original painting and we're, we're going to frame everything like that. 
what research went in there? There was a load of research. I mean, I grew up on the films more than the more than the attraction. Um, so as soon as I realised we were doing this and we'd be going after Pirates of the Caribbean all up, it was read everything you can, save every single video on YouTube of a, a playthrough of the attraction and then and then watch them all and then get told off by Mike for watching the wrong from the wrong park to make sure we got got the correct the correct bit of the correct attraction. Um but yeah stuff like the lining up the the, the rock formations and stuff mm. is just such a cool moment. And that's part of what makes the attractions so special is that you can sit on them once and enjoy them because they're kind of huge environments with massive characters that are just great to take part in. But every time you go through, you'll notice, oh, there's a cool little thing going on in this corner or there's a cool little thing going on there. Like, And putting little moments like that in that the player would hopefully miss or most players would miss on their first or second or third playthrough, but then see on a subsequent one felt like the right way to embrace the same kind of the same way the attractions were designed by yeah mm -hmm. leaving little trails of easter eggs and some of them are directly from the attractions or the films and some of them are where designers have lost their mind late at night when they're still working on stuff and just can't help but but add in uh, cheeky little moments so <laughs> and i think earlier when i was saying that you know once we found the meaning of the story and the story it wanted to tell that's where it unlocks what these tales are and because it's basically just to bluntly paraphrase it you know what is the what what is the pirate's life as it's represented in the attraction in the movies and what's the sea of these version that are white special and that's where the cursed captain came from mm. it came from this the message of tale one is in the pirates of the caribbean as you're seeing in a memory in in air sea of the damned dead men tell no tales people love that we should have put more of that in by the way um <laughs> no tells that but that is that is such a recognizable statement from the attraction in mm. the movies dead men tell no tales it's that fear of death of losing your freedom that is precisely what's not true in the sea of thieves so that thought process was you know the first half of tale one will be reaffirming this idea that Dead men tell no tales, but then in the second half, dead men do tell tales, and that's where the thing was: we're going to have a talking skull that literally tells you his tales, because that can exist in the Sea of Thieves, and that's what makes the Sea of Thieves special. So, it's just trying to find the the right meaning, and each tale was designed to do something very, very different. Mm. It's, it's kind of half references, and it's also half moving air lore forward with sirens and the Sunken Kingdom and all of that. Mm. What I love as well is that. It does feel so organically, like it works so well within the Sea of Thieves world. But the there is such an attention to detail, like to proper detail as well, that to be authentic to both the film and the attraction, that it's it was like I know that was super important to you, Mike. Like and it it was quite granular as well. Like some of it, like I mean, even just the well, we we were both in in the voiceover recording sessions, yeah. but things like the pigs and chickens and all that sort of stuff like. yeah yeah i mean that's where the both in tell one and tell three there's so much original sound effects ambience a vo from the original attraction going back mm -hmm. to 1967 which is you know it strikes the right atmosphere if you haven't been on the attraction but if you have it's just that nostalgic powerful callback yeah. moment but there's Several times, I think what you're referring to there, John, we had a choice to go, do we do, do we do it properly 
mm-hmm. or is there an easy way to do it? And I think every time we, and we've done this a lot with CATs, every time we have this crossroads, we always end up doing it the harder way because it's the <laughs> right way. And I think we, like you say, we went back and we, we got a sound alike for the, the chickens, the singing pigs, the singing <laughs> dog. So all of these these animals that are singing in tune with Yoho a pirate's life is it's a it's kind of a quintessential part of the magic of that attraction where there's yeah. this sound, all the sound is synced together. And George knows this more than anyone in terms of how much effort it took to pull that together in, in the attraction, <laughs> in the tail three version of the attraction. Um but yeah, that was that was us late night, probably early morning hours, yeah. AM, listening to an amazing voice actor doing an impression of a chicken, doing an impression of a dog. <laughs> it was amazing. It's still one of those like pinch me moments as this is probably never going to happen again. It's absolutely amazing. But I think to your point, John, it's the, like that level of detail. It's like, like any great games out there and hopefully like Sea of Thieves, when people love something, they really love something and people mm. put their heart and soul into it. If you're going to go anything, you're going to go near anything as beloved as the parts of the Caribbean movies and the attraction, you, you've got to do it properly. Exactly. You can't, you, can't, you can't go half in. You've got to go all in, pay it the respect it deserves. And also, you know, in the rare way, and, and I think the Disney way, you, you can't just reference it. You've got to do something new with it. And I think while we're on that, I think the, the environments themselves and the way you've recreated the ride's amazing, but actually the characterization of... Captain Jack Sparrow of Davy Jones. The writing is phenomenal. Like there's a moment, mm-hmm. I can't remember which tale it is, but Jack's taking the, um, having a very, taking a very humorous look at the map. Yes. Um, and mm. it's just, you're just like, this is exactly how these two worlds and these characters would interplay. And it's just delightful to enjoy as a Sea of Thieves player and as a person who's watched the films. Um, so it's, a, again, like it's, we were so strong in all those areas with re- recreating the environments, with making sure it sounded right. But the, the characters themselves, it was so honest to what everyone had already experienced of those franchises before. It just worked. You had that right, experience. Yeah, you I knew you were going to say that bit about the map, by the way, because that was the same for me when that. I first watched the so paper. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So we did say last time as well on the podcast that we we're going to talk about some lore and when we have been obviously there was a massive lore dump uh <laughs> when we when we did this uh, uh pirate's life update but are we going to are we going to continue to see lore we've started some sort of momentum here and i know there was a kind of drier spell between uh, the kind of end of last year and, and and a pirate's life coming along can can players expect more lore moving forward Always, always. And I think the quiet spell that we regrettably went through last year is a result of, you know, all hands on deck. We're all we're kind of building a pirate's life and everything we've just talked about. Um, but I think when it comes to law in Sea of Thieves, you know, the community asking about what does this mean for Flameheart and Flameheart's story? And like Sea of Thieves is a very big place. There's, you know, there's all these stories that we are telling actively and we, we still will tell. I think the... The thing to kind of call out with the lore is you approach it in phases, the broader themes at play and the the kind of broad strokes of the the elements we want to bring in and why and what the contradictions are going to be and how, how things are going to contrast. That's, I would say, you can hold me to this, I would say that like the, the lore for the next several years is kind of 
broadly in mind we kind of know where we want to take this story and i think things in in super short term are obviously known in a much more granular level of detail and it gets a little bit more hazy mid to long but there's that confidence that it'll all hang together because it's all coming from a from a from a kind of broader theme and part of the reason why pirate's life worked is because we were tapping into those same themes and it all i mean one thing i mean it's not really a tease because what i'm about to say is so vague but really the, the kind of there's a lot of elements in Sea of Thieves, whether it's Stitcher Jim and Wanda and Flameheart, the characters that we've that have crossed into our world from Pirates of the Caribbean. There's existing characters of Pirate Lord. And what a lot of our players all appreciate is that they stand for something. They all stand for something. And they've all got something about the Sea of Thieves that resonates with them. So Sea of Thieves is this special place, right, where you can become who you were meant to be. So really the themes that play behind it all are and players will recognise this with the Siren Queen and Davy Jones and even Duke, which is, can you be in the Sea of Thieves? Can you call the Sea of Thieves your home and be the person you were before? Or do you need to transform in some way to truly call it home? Do you need to become cursed? Do you need to transform from the pe- person you were before? Or can you stay true to who you are and what you stand for? So even saying that you can see where different characters are lying on that kind of spectrum where the pirate lord is that pure, you know, it's all about the crew loyalty. We can be who we were and even better. We can keep, you know, in good faith, all the things that make us who we are. Or, you know, where did the ancients go? What is the origin story for the Sea of Thieves? It's this fundamental question of, you know, how, how do you make the Sea of Thieves home? Do you need to give in to your baser instincts or do you stay true to being a pirate and being a good person. So it's, it's, I mean, that's, I know it's incredibly vague, but that's, that's kind of the, the thing we will continue to explore from the different perspectives of these characters and be very exciting. Sweet. And uh, like moving on from that and looking kind of past uh, a pirate's life, like what happens, what happens now that we've kind of, we've been freed up, we've been under this kind of layer of secrecy for the past year on a pirate's life but that was a good chunk of the team right they were working working on that so moving forward what, what can we expect there yeah so if, if we look at the year ahead obviously we've got we've got our seasons planned out um through to through to kind of season six um in kind of the first quarter of uh, next year we, we've got a session later this week around season seven so we've got a good idea of what the next year looks like in the terms of the, the content that's coming um and and how we want to kind of uh grow, grow sea of thieves some very exciting stuff coming up there that i won't i won't tease too much but um uh but i think and this is where my covid fog just kind of goes blank in my mind um but gonna leak anything this is the time to do <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the best I, won't, I won't remember it um but you're definitely going to see in the short term there's some quality life kind of fixes and stuff coming out so like there's quite a lot of bug fixes of, of things you know we've definitely seen over the last year as there's been this big focus on a pilot's life we haven't been able to prioritize some of the bug fixes that we would want and some of the just improvements just to the overall kind of core sea of thieves experience you'll you'll start to see some of that come out i think in like our august kind of update and in kind of season four and stuff so there's definitely going to be a bit of a raising up of just the overall kind of quality level i guess of the game experience um but you know as as we look to the the year ahead i think definitely um how we kind of level up events right is a big thing for us um something that i know mike can can speak to in terms of kind of um that the passion that we want we want events to be really kind of moments that you know you're not kind of just 
like turning up for the rewards or turning up for that stuff. We really want them to be like super cool moments that make the most of our shared world, make the most of kind of the magic of the CSC Thieves sandbox. That's definitely a goal for us for the um, for the kind of year ahead. We're get, we're going to be making some improvements as well for kind of new and returning players and really kind of like as Sea of Thieves has become this. There's so much stuff in Sea of Thieves now, but. Um, you know, if, if, as, as a new player returning and figuring out what to do, what to engage with, where to find things and just like, you know, we can look at our data, we can look at sentiment, we can, we know that that's a real opportunity for us that like we do great at bringing people back to our game, bringing new people in. Um, but quite a few people do just bounce off it, right? Because of like, what do I do? Where do I go? What's like that first experience, those first couple experiences, like they're so key. And they're so also like to, to kind of making people fall in love with Sea of Thieves. You could have the best experience like when you first come and play Sea of Thieves, like and um, or you could have an experience that isn't as good. And so kind of us having a bit more control over that, a bit more understanding how we kind of make the people that come to the game fall fall in love with it and become kind of part of that Sea of Thieves community is a real key thing for us too. But also just continuing to expand upon the sandbox, continuing to kind of go back to making the most of kind of this amazing world that we have. And then there's future kind of Disney stuff that we can go do. Like we have the option to, and we have the kind of, you know, we have some thoughts and conversations of things we could do in that front. Um, but we, we won't confirm or deny any of that stuff at the moment. But, um, but yeah, so we're actually planning tomorrow. So this will have happened by the time people listen to the, the podcast, but we're having our first kind of strategic session as a leadership group about the next few years of, of kind of like Mike says, he's got a pretty good idea, I think, creatively of a lot of things we want to go do around the stories we want to tell and and how we want to involve kind of what players can do. But kind of really framing that properly and being able to get to a place where we can take the, the kind of the wider team through it and stuff is, um, is, is where our heads are at. And it's a really nice moment to do it, I think, after a pirate's life, right? Because this is a really incredible moment in the sea of thieves journey but i also think it shows us that or reinforces i think that that sea of thieves has so much more to give so much more to do and i think there's just so many more opportunities to tell the stories we can tell the features we can bring in how we can expand upon that sandbox like i think we're nowhere near reaching the kind of the pinnacle of what sea of thieves can be um like it's still only getting started in a lot of ways even like even though christina like you said earlier it's been over three years right um (laughs) that we've been live you know considering we spent four years prior to launch working on sea of thieves and we've nearly been four years live it's just like a that'll be an incredible moment when we've been live longer than the game was kind of in development prior to launch but um i don't don't think any of us will ever so i was saying i don't think any of us will ever look back in years to come and go that that was the moment sea of thieves was done or we reached the pinnacle it's just not going to happen i don't think there's, there's never been a session where we're planning features where there's a there's, there's not a ridiculous amount of things that there's just not enough human errors in the world to go do mm. um it really is what's the right order t- to bring things in and i think especially after a pirate's life where it tells tells are a certain type of content where it engages every discipline of the team because they are i've said this before they are like symphonies you bring together the music the visual effects the storytelling the writing it's all got to come together in the right way it's in it's amazing to work on, uh, very intense and occupies so much of the team. But I think with Joe mentioning kind of the season seven planning session, which is getting quite far out now, I think with with where that's likely to go in terms of what that feature will be, I actually what's really refreshing is you look across the type of content, we could go developing CFEs like new places to have experiences, more tools, not rules, um, kind of mechanics that enrich the sandbox, systems that get you to play in, in different ways. There's there's kind of an example of each of those kind of planned in kind of near to, to midterm. There's, there's, a, there's a 
the full kind of spectrum of what the Seathies experiences has been. There's kind of an example across the seasons of, of each of those. So, yeah, more than ever, I think a pirate's life has just been like a, yeah, kind of health check on how big this game can be and how far we can reach. And again, more more inspired than ever to keep to keep going. And it's been amazing after a pirate's life to just start planning out future seasons and just seeing God, we're just feels like we're getting started, which is crazy after after all these years. Yeah, and part of that planning process actually around seasons, even as we were leading into a pirate's life, it became apparent to us that we needed to kind of grow to a place where we have like more teams working on the seasons, plus the kind of the live service side of things with events and with that kind of new player, returning player stuff I was talking about. So we're kind of continuing to grow. So again, going into this year, the scale of people we're having working on Sea of Thieves is bigger than even like the last year, which was bigger than the year before. So in kind of, um, we're growing. So so we can just keep, like we can give the time to go do crazy cool things for new seasons, right? Um, like the like more teams you have, the longer lead time they can have leading into a season and stuff. And so we're very much in that kind of transition period now growing as, as, as we go. But it yeah, like you say, the, the plans across each of the coming seasons all kind of hit on different areas, don't they? Of like the the, the what's awesome about about Sea of Thieves and the things we can do. So a very exciting okay. year ahead. In a, in a different way to, to what was exciting about the last year, right? With the Pirates Life being that big headline thing, it's now about... Yeah, paying off different ways to kind of grow that sandbox and stuff. So. John's had enough, he's run off. Yeah. But the, um, <laughs> talking, talking about seasons, George, which season are you on? I'm doing a little bit of season five and a little bit of season six at the moment. So I get to see, I've seen, like in the last couple of weeks, I've seen some really, really exciting stuff. And I was thinking while you were talking there, like everything you said is spot on. But like from a like on the on individual game team levels like shipping something like a pirate's life is this like monumental achievement and you learn so much and you like all pull together as a team and like the nerd inside of me is like yeah we just beat a massive boss in D&D right <laughs> like we've just prepped for it we've got ready we've used all our potions all our magic and we've absolutely smashed this boss and now the <laughs> like the dungeon master is telling us we've leveled up and now because of everything that we've done on a pirate's life everyone on the team is now better than they were a year ago like everyone on the team has some cool new abilities or some cool <laughs> new weapons that we can go and make make amazing games with and the way the next few seasons are setting up as mike and joe alluded to is like every one of those cool new abilities and cool new weapons that we've learned over the development of a pirate's life like we're gonna have a way to to test it and show it off and there are so many like amazing little moments that are being built behind the scenes now because the team has been energized by a pirate's life because we've learned so much from a pirate's life because like and now we've got the chance to go back to not back to the main Sea of Thieves world because we never left it, but like we can go back to to Sea of Thieves and be like, we've got some awesome ideas. Um, so it's really exciting to see like individuals and groups on teams like start to build those things. That was beautiful. That was that was beautiful. I don't think any of us could have said that better, George. That was, <laughs> that's that's why you got promoted. <laughs> Every, everything's a story, and storytell with everything. That's beautiful. And you, you actually answered my next question, which is amazing. And you answered it so eloquently that I don't think anyone else needs to answer it. So uh, probably passing on to, to yourself, uh, Christina, you, I know you've got a question that's come from the community. 
Well, I noted that Joe very much headed me off at the past there by so alluding to what we can't talk about with forthcoming Disney content. But one thing we've seen across the community is they just want to know, is is more of this coming? And in what sort of capacity? Is it going to be more cool Pirate Emporium stuff? Is it going to be more Tales? Is it going to be something different? Yeah. Can you tell us about what's next? In the short term, we have some cool Pirate Emporium stuff coming, which may or may not have been revealed by the time we do this. Probably not. Um but uh, but yeah, there is there is some cool new stuff coming. Kind of insiders, yeah, yeah, yeah that will yeah will have been going into insiders uh, already and stuff. So, um, uh, but yeah, we we've we've got thoughts, we've got plans beyond that um, for sure. Uh, so, like I say, the relationship with Disney is fantastic um, uh, and has been since the start. I loved seeing some of their interviews that they were doing as well around the kind of same time of a pirate's life being revealed, talking about the you know, what they want to do partnership wise and with other, other teams, with other um, kind of IPs and things. And so, but it was really cool to see how they talked about the relationship with us and also that they saw it similarly to, to how we did, right? Um, Cause we obviously only ever really see our perspective and, and what they present to us, but they talk very well around that initial, um, the initial meetings we had and then how we've worked together. It's been, it's been amazing, honestly, because this is the first time for us as a team we've kind of worked with someone like Disney, another kind of license holder and bring something into our, to our world and game. And, and that brings with it some complications, Like it does like in terms of approvals, in terms of kind of getting other feedback on stuff that, that so far we've been completely in control of everything that we've done and had no kind of external kind of feedback or, or um, direction. It's been like, see if these is brand new IP res made, we've come up with all the ideas, we've just gone and built it. And this is the first time that, We've had to kind of listen to that external voice, but I think we've got such a great understanding. And I look across the team of everyone that's worked on on this, the understanding of the IPs we're using. So that process has been super smooth, but um, but Disney have really helped us as well. And just always given that qualitative feedback, right? In terms of like really trying to go, how do we make it as faithful and as, yeah. as kind of awesome to to everyone that's a fan of these IPs? So. So the relationship is great. We, from a boring business side, we have a really good kind of, you know, we have a contract that gives us options in the future and stuff around around things. Um, so, yeah, lots of options open to us. We just want to go and figure out um, kind of when and how and stuff. There's just this, you know, there's, there's stories and fun stuff that we could do and that we could tell and we've got a good idea of those. But um, yeah. uh, we cannot confirm anything at the moment, but just know that this release has gone really well and the relationship's <laughs> really good. Um, uh so lots of excitement about the future but if can, anything we do has you. to fit into our world has to be the like the, the way that this has been brought in the authenticity the kind of everything that, that mike and everyone's talked about like you know it just has to be something that takes our world forward takes our stories forward and is done in exactly the same way so. yeah and it's impossible oh, sorry on, and you go make no and you go i'll say it's impossible to when trying to tie the worlds together so deeply in a meaningful way it's impossible not to work on that at a conception stage and not consider how the pieces then get picked up in the future and how different story threads could grow so there's lots of potential there there's lots of clues that where, where it could potentially go and there's lots of different avenues that, that that our fans will probably pick up on um but i think it goes back to exactly what joe said which is it's got to be the right story you can't you can't just you can't just do it because it sounds cool on paper. It's got to make sense long term. Over that, once we're over that honeymoon period and the newness has worn off, it has to make sense. Um, and what if we, if we were to do something in the future, I think we'd have to really consider it long and hard and do it with that same level of attention to detail, love and passion that we poured into it. Yeah, so it's and, exciting. Who knows yeah. where we'll go in the future? 
And we've got to learn from this one as well, right? Just from the development of it, right? Like it's like it's been a big, huge undertaking, right? Like, um, like the huge the, the Dungeon Dragons um, boss, right? But um, like, but it has. We had to plan ahead for that, right? Make sure everyone was equipped with the right with the right weapons and tools, and that we planned it ahead. And and but it meant that. <laughs> <laughs> not all of our troops were focused on the kind of the live service side, et cetera. Um, but uh, so, but I think we just have, we have to learn from it, right. Of like, like if we want to continue to go grow and do like just how we manage, see if these moving forward, how do we go do something like this again? How would we do it? What would we learn from this? And, and, you know, it's definitely that last few months leading up to the launch of this was, was like a really busy time across the team and the studio, right? And um, I think we have we have to learn from that again. That like I don't think we quite got that balance right. And um, so how do we go and continually kind of manage our team and our studio and our health and everything, and and just kind of get that better next time and, and stuff. So there's loads there's loads you have to factor into it, right? Um, uh, from the creative to the to the, the how you make it and how you do it and also how we would go talk about it how would like would we do the same thing again of this surprise and short release I don't know if we would because it's not the same thing and so there's we'd have to go figure that know. part out too so loads to consider yeah. but um, well, so what you're trying yeah. to say Joe is we if we had our time again we wouldn't send everyone through the mines of Moria we'd send <laughs> some think, of the teams right? through the mines and some would also take the mountain pass I think, I think that's right yeah. and we try not to lose Gandalf in the dark that's that that's right that's what I read from what you said yeah. <laughs> Def- definitely yeah and John were you going to say something before I close this out it was really inconsequential what I was going to say <laughs> um, I was to finish just, on then yeah exactly I was just going to be flipping and say there's some excellent emotes coming soon as well um, but I only say that because it's both John and I that usually do the animation for the emotes look. so there you go. Some good emotes, emotes coming soon. Give, uh, give us a preview. Go on. Oh yeah, go on. Uh, n- You're no. on camera right now, John. Disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't leave this podcast without you talking about the new emotes in the trailer voice. Yeah. Ooh. So imagine Ooh, it's the trailer one. for the emotes. Where would you say it? Well, the emotes that came to my head were the ones that have... We both John and I have shared with this was a while ago, but shared with the gaming group that we have that play Warzone. Um, don't know if you remember seeing them, Joe. It was like John was doing a very. It's they're all from uh, they're all quite recognisable dances, um, except this the one I did had a bit of a Sea Thieves spin on it. So if I get it in my book, I could put it on here. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Actually, gosh. I remember pulling my back doing one of them. So I hope it works out all right. We should get that in the pulling your back him out. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I was I was not built to dance. Like I was not <laughs> built. Quite, quite long limbs, don't you? I've got long limbs. I'm like uh. a daddy long legs like when i'm trying to dance just like flailing everywhere which is like why all the emotes that i do have have a certain lanky you can, t- you can tell it's you yeah like you can the tell it's you dance the bill's oh, rap yeah, dance yeah, is yeah, you yeah. amazing one of my that's favorites. you doing an impression of like an old man in a pub yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the, the my facial expressions make it like, <laughs> you go back to the original footage he's completely in character which is also just my standard dance for going out on a Saturday night, the old oh. man in the pub. Yeah, so it doesn't get any any more trendy than that. Um, but yeah, thank you to to everybody for for watching. It's been good to get like a more like personal story uh, from the uh, I keep going to call it by its code name, but a pirate's life side. Um, so it's been good chatting through this, and we will be taking 
kind of looking at your questions on social. So if you do have any questions for the next one, although we don't have any topics, you can just shoot random topics at us and we'll see what's there as well. We'll kind of gauge what topics are, are coming up the hottest, right, Christina? Uh, you can do that, right? Exactly. So we see all. <laughs> and then if there are certain keywords that start occurring, we'll slink them up the priority list. So basically, the more you talk about something, the more you want to know. We will um, we'll endeavour to bring some insight in the next podcast. So get your keywords in there, everybody. Get your keywords into social. Uh, so yeah, remember, if you haven't subscribed already to either the podcast apps that you're getting this from and, and following on there or YouTube, please do so. Because remember, we're on both. So if you're not watching us here, you can watch on YouTube. And if you are just listening to us when you're dancing, uh, out dancing, I don't know why you would listen to this and not the music you're dancing to. But if you're into that and that is your thing, then, then, then please do it. And then remember, we will be here next time. And an indiscernible amount of time. But before we go, John, just so there's an incentive for somebody to come and watch the video version of this, I do have the video of you dancing here. Oh, yes. Come on. Here we go. Let's try and line this up. Why is it me? I've got, I'm, I'm posting yours on Twitter. No, 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 no. There's so much more of you, John. Let's see how close we can get this. Right, here we go. I'm wearing. Oh, look at him go. <laughs> there we go that'll do that'll do amazing <laughs> um, so yeah so look out for uh, me posting on Twitter straight after this John's version of his dance as well <laughs> um, something to look forward to head straight over to our social channels and I'm sure to tag Sea of Thieves in there but thank you very much for watching everybody and we'll see you next time goodbye bye bye, bye. bye.